So church, as we go through this hard love, I want to challenge you. Where are you at on that spectrum? Are you loving others at the expense of loving yourself? Take time to love yourself, to prepare to love others better, to take care of what God has given to you. Are you loving yourself in such a way that you never take time for others, that you love others, but you just don't like them? Maybe today's the day to say, God, help me to actually love them, to see past all their personality things that drive me nuts and all their political viewpoints and all of their stances and all of these things and help me to love them the way you love me. And maybe if you and I did both of these things, we could walk that hard and fine line in the middle that says it's not about me and yet I'm loved anyway. God, help us to love those who need to be loved and to love them really well. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. It is so good to see you guys this morning, and it is so good to be here today. Uh, I have a confession to make. So for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Adam, and I'm the pastor here at The Point. And I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes pastors preach out of, like, habit. Um, They preach what they know without actually, like, putting a lot of thought into it. Uh, I don't know if you know that. Um, Well, I, I prepared today's message, and I prepared just kind of with what I thought was supposed to be said. And and my confession for you today is, uh, yesterday I was coming back from Nashville and I was driving, and sometimes when I drive, I like to drive in silence, and it drives my wife nuts. Um, But I was by myself, so it was okay. I I had the, the radio off for like an hour and a half, and I was literally thinking about whatever I wanted to think about. And then I got tired of that, and I decided to turn on some music. And as I was listening for that last hour to the music, my heart got really ripped open. Um, None of the content for today changed, but in that time, in that hour, God really convicted me that sometimes as a pastor, I preach just because I need to, because you expect it, and not because I'm actually moved by what he's saying. And today, what he really just, I was weeping while driving, which is not safe. I don't encourage it. And like, I was crying and listening, and and I was really convicted yesterday about today's message, just how much I think you and I need this, uh, and I'm equally in need of this. So if today's kind of hard, and if I cry, uh, forgive me. Unless it's not a problem, then deal with it, all right? 
But uh, we are in this series called Hard Love, and we're looking at the reality that you and I as Christians are called to do something really, really difficult. In fact, to do a lot of things really, really hard, specifically to love. And we're called to love in a way that the world is not familiar with. We're called to love in a way the world doesn't know, in a way that's completely different than what the world does. And last week we looked in Mark chapter 12 where Jesus is being tested and and somebody tries to trap Jesus and says, which of the commandments is the greatest? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. This commandment's the greatest. And and we we talked about how he quotes the Old Testament. He says, look, if you want to trip me up on scripture, let's go. Toe to toe, I've got this. And Jesus, he quotes what God said, the most important thing you and I can do is to love God. And yet oftentimes distractions come in and we don't. Other things rise to the top and other things become more important than God. Other things move us to worry more than trust in God. Other things cause us to love anybody or anything other than God. But today we're going to look at the second half of what Jesus says. Uh, Jesus doesn't just stop there with the greatest commandment. He says the second one is this. It's in Mark chapter 12. If you want to follow along, you can use your phone. We're cool with that here. Um, Or you can use a Bible, either one. Mark chapter 12, he says this. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And this religious leader, the scribe, he replies, he hears Jesus' answer, and and this is what he says, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. This teacher of the law, he says to Jesus, hey, you're right. You passed the test. Congratulations, Jesus. You know God's word better than I do. You're right. The most important thing is God. And you're right. The second most important thing is loving your neighbor as yourself. And all of this is much more than just burnt offerings and sacrifices. See, the scribe, he recognizes in Jesus and in what Jesus says that To honor God, to live for God, to do what he's made us to do is more than just going through the motions and playing a part. It's more than just acting like the righteous one or the holy one or the one who's got it all figured out. It's more than just being the one people look to for the answers. No, to love God with everything is to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is incredibly difficult. And this is where I was really convicted driving yesterday. It's really easy to say we love people, but not really like them. Have you ever said that? Like, I really, I really love you. I just don't like you at all. If your love doesn't compel you to like that person, it's not really love at all. And I was really convicted as I was driving yesterday about how little... I love my neighbor, and probably how little you do too. See, it's easy to say, of course I love them because I'm a good person to them. 
It's easy to say, of course I love them because I, I like seek to do well to them, right? If, if I see that their trash can's still on the curb, maybe I'll take it back to their house from time to time. Or I'll wave and be friendly when I see them. Or every now and then I'll have them over for dinner. Of course I love them. But do we? Love your neighbor as yourself. We live in a climate where we don't love our neighbor. We live in an age where we talk about loving people, but then we rarely do. And here's what it looks like in our age today. I love everybody unless you don't agree with me. I love everybody unless your sin looks different than my sin, then I have an obligation to condemn what you're doing wrong. I love everybody unless you annoy the crap out of me. Right? Have you ever heard, we live in the South, maybe you've heard this before, people who are EGRs, right? Extra grace required. If you've never heard the term, it's probably you, right? These people are, are, are like this. Uh, people, you're like, I really want to love them, but they're so annoying. I just don't want to spend any time with them. So I'll love them from a distance, right? Because when I'm with them, they require some extra grace. When I'm with that person, they really test me and they try me. So as long as I'm not around them, then I can love them. Anybody guilty of that? I certainly am. But if your love doesn't always require extra grace, it's not actually love. If your love doesn't always require something of you, it's not real love. Love your neighbor as yourself. In the book of Hebrews, they describe what this love of your neighbor looks like. And this comes up in multiple places. So this is by no means exclusive and by no means exhaustive. But Hebrews chapter 13. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Let brotherly love continue. But what if it's never started? I put up with you, but I don't actually love you. We live in a climate today where there's this idea floating around that says, if only other people come to be like me, the world would be better. And so we sallow ourselves with people who sound like us or look like us, who think like us, people who agree with us. And we begin to say, it's all about me. Just be like me because I've got it right. Sometimes we think if only the government would be different, things would be better. 
If only the church would be different, right? If they had better music or better pastors, certainly we could use better pastors. But if only, if only this or that or all these things were different, then we could be free to love people. The early church lived in a climate unlike ours. See, we have a a climate that we live in that is post-Christian, where there's a lot of secularization, people who see the Bible and Scripture and and Christian and Christians and Christianity as uh, not really that important. But our culture, even as people say, hey, what you believe isn't that important to me, uh, we're still generally friendly to Christians. As a whole, our culture isn't out to get you and I because we're Christian, which is why we can be here today. Because there's nobody that's coming to throw us in prison or torture us or beat us because we're Christian. There's, there's nobody who's mad at us and says, all the weight of the world is because you believe in Jesus, so we have to get you. But for the early church, there were those people. In fact, it was at the whim of the political leader. If he was okay with Christianity, everything was peaceful. If he was not okay with it, he could blame Christians for any problem he wanted, and Christians would be imprisoned and tortured and beaten and killed simply because they believed in Jesus. Anybody ever lived in that world? And yet the church didn't grow because they could outsmart people. They didn't grow because they found the right emperor. They didn't grow because they had the right theology. They grew because they loved. In fact, the the early church was known not only in the immediate context of Israel and that geography, all throughout the old world. The early church was known by its love. When somebody was sick or there's a community of lepers, you could count on Christians being there. When people were dying, you could count on Christians being the one who would feed them till their very last. When people were imprisoned, you could count on Christians providing for them. When babies were discarded and thrown in the dump because they were born female and not male, you could count on Christians going and finding them in the dump and bringing them home and caring for them as their own. Christians changed the world because they loved. Do we do that today? Do we love like that today? Probably not. Because at best, we tolerate those that we don't like. At best, we put up with all of their burdens. At best, we try to be nice and put on a smile. But for the church at the time Hebrews was written, hey, let brotherly love continue. There was this core that said, no matter what it costs, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how much people hate us, let us love. As I was driving yesterday, I began to cry. What would Knoxville look like if you and I for one day had that at our core? If you and I for one day said, I will love you no matter the cost, And no matter the hurt, and no matter the pain, and even no matter your ideology or your sexuality or any of these other things, I will love you. No matter what. 
See, we today want to have the right to speak into other people's lives and to tell them the way in which their life doesn't fit with the picture of what God designed for them. We want the right to tell other people where they're failing and their morals aren't enough. We want the right to tell them how to change to be better. But you and I have no right to speak into anybody else's life until we first love them. And what does that love look like for those who are different than us or say things we don't agree with or require some extra grace from us? Until you have been broken by your sin and have been up all night weeping for the people that you have hurt, you have no right to speak into somebody else's life in the ways they're hurting others. Until you have seen just how much you need to be loved. And then you love others like that. You have no right to tell other people how they're getting it wrong. And here's the really challenging part. See, Jesus, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. But I think the problem for us today, the reason we can't and don't love our neighbor thoroughly and deeply and from the pit of who we are, the reason we don't have that kind of love is because we don't know how to love ourselves. We look at the scale and we see the number and we say we're not worth it. So we eat more and more, we we don't exercise, we do unhealthy things because we say, I'm not worth it, my value is not enough. We don't have enough money, but we spend all kinds of money to go shopping because it makes us feel better. We look at ourselves and see all of our flaws and we say, if only I had this newer thing, then people would expect or would respect me. Then people would think I'm better. Then people would love me. And we spend money we don't have to try to win the affection of people we don't actually care about. We hide behind our social media and rather than actually loving somebody, in the name of love, we say all kinds of things that are not loving at all. Because we don't love ourselves. We look in the mirror and we see the things we've done and the person we've become and we see what people say about us and we say, I'm not lovable. So I have to convince people to love me. And where I was really weeping yesterday is just how much you and I need to know we're loved before we ever start loving others. You see, our capacity to love our neighbor flows from our reality of being loved. And if you are not loved yet, you can't love others well. If you don't know that you are more than enough by yourself, regardless of what the scale says, you can't love others. If you're not enough without all those extra things, you can't love others well. If you want to love others, you must first know how much you are loved. This is really, really hard when we don't love ourselves. I can make a long list of all the things I've done wrong, even the list of things I've done wrong yesterday, and many of them this morning. I I can make a long list of all the ways I wish I was better, and I wish I was different, and all the things I don't like about myself. 
The problem when we're being really self-critical is our focus is still ourself. See, you and I are not called to focus on ourselves, but on a God who says, I love you so much that from the east to the west, I will stretch out my arms and I will free you from all your sin and make you new. And I will give my life that you can know that while you were sinners, I died for you. While you were broken and imperfect, I gave it all for you. Because of love, we can love. And that love for others starts by loving ourselves. And sometimes today we get confused in our Christian culture and we think that self-care and self-love is the enemy of loving others. And so we go and we go and we go and we give and give and give and we burn ourselves out at both ends, forgetting that we need to take time to rest and to be loved. We need people to speak into us and say, you are more than enough and it has nothing to do with how you serve others. You're more than enough. And we need people who can be there, who can see us burning the candle on both ends and say, that's not healthy. Take time to care for you. So we need to do things that are healthy, like maybe eat something that's healthy, not to lose weight and be the number we think we should be, but to care for ourselves. We need to do things that are healthy, like manage our finances so that we can love others better. My wife and I, we, about two years ago, we met with a financial planner because uh, we said, how do we prepare for the future? Like, how do we plan ahead and get ourselves ready? And the first question he asked was, well, what do you dream of in your financial future? Like, what do you hope for? So before my wife could respond, I chimed in. I said, my hope is that someday we're financially stable enough to have like our fully stocked mini bar in the basement. <laughs> yeah. And I, then I looked at her going, I hope that's okay. Right? And she goes, yeah, that sounds great. And, and then I saw for my wife just how much I married up and chose wisely. Because her response after that was, I hope someday for us to be in a place financially where when we go to those banquets, those fundraiser dinners for ministries that are doing great things, and they say the cheesy line, you know, I, I, maybe tonight you can just add an extra zero at the end. I hope someday we're in a place we can add it to the left side of the decimal and not the right. See, my wife's heart with our dream for where we could be in the future is not like mine, where it's all about me and the things I would really enjoy. But this heart that says, I want to be in a place someday in the future where we can love and we can give even more. How cool would that be? If like one day I could just like carry around some Benjamins in my pocket, which I don't think I've ever even seen one to be honest, right? If I could just carry some around in my pocket and I could go buy a cup of coffee and like put down the $100 and maybe drink a couple of sips and then walk out and leave the rest for the waiter or waitress, how cool would that be? Or if I could just see the person who's hungry and stop what I'm doing in my busy schedule and take however much time it takes to eat with them and care for them and get to know them and love them. Or, or I, I could see the people who are really hurting because the church has said, you're not enough. And I could just give whatever time it takes to be there with them until they see that they are more than enough. See, if we don't take time to care for ourselves now, 
we have very little to give to others. But the other way that we sometimes fail is we, we try to love ourselves so much, we say, I'll only love others later. My wife and I went to a, a psychologist that had come to speak to my son's school, and they told us, if you come to the psychologist, we'll waive the entrance fee for next year's uh, school. We didn't even know there was an entrance fee, so we're like, all right, we'll go, right? We don't want to pay whatever it is you're waiving. And so we went to the psychologist, and he said that our culture is filled with anxiety and depression at a, a rate unlike any other time. And one of the things that he has found that is proven to be true is part of the reason anxiety and depression are on the rise is because we've taken more time to focus on me. And the more that we seek to consume from the world around us, the less we believe we have anything to give. And the more we seek to take, I need more and more and more, the less we have to give to others. If you want to see anxiety and depression decrease, he said, you need to start contributing to the world around you. Find ways you have something to, to give to make a difference. Maybe it's holding the door for somebody and saying, you're loved today. Maybe it's something bigger like, hey, here's, here's $100 for that cup of coffee so that a waiter who works really, really hard can know I appreciate them. The more you can contribute to the world around you, statistically, the more your anxiety and depression will decrease and your peace with who you are and your role in this world will increase. That blew my mind as I was thinking about Jesus' call to love others as ourselves. It is not okay to love others at the expense of ourselves. It is not okay to love others in such a way that we neglect taking care of the very fundamental things we need, like sleep or food or encouragement. It's not okay to neglect ourselves for the sake of others. But it's also not okay to neglect others for the sake of ourselves. And so we live in this tension, this place that's really hard, that's really difficult. We must love ourselves not for what we can do or not for what people think about us or not for how much money's in the bank. We must love ourselves because Christ loves us. And then we need to love others because he loves them too. And I wonder how much different our conversations would look with people we disagree with, with people on the other side of the political party or people whose sexuality looks different than ours. I wonder how much different our conversation would be if we first took time to say, Jesus, how much do you love them? How much do you care about them? What are you willing to give for them? How can I do that myself? And I wonder if we as the church looked to the cross where Christ says, this is how much I love you. This is how much I'll give to you. I wonder how much easier it would be to let brotherly affection be genuine and continue among us. I wonder how much easier it would be to open up our doors and be hospitable and welcome people in and say, come and be loved. I wonder how much easier it would be to go into prisons or to those who are convicts or those who have a past or those <coughs> even who are going in the future to prison but are not yet there. I wonder how much easier it would be to love them 
If we as a church looked to the cross, said, God, you gave it all while I was a sinner. Help me to do the same. So church, as we go through this hard love, I want to challenge you. Where are you at on that spectrum? Are you loving others at the expense of loving yourself? Take time to love yourself, to prepare to love others better, to take care of what God has given to you. Are you loving yourself in such a way that you never take time for others, that you love others, but you just don't like them? Maybe today's the day to say, God, help me to actually love them, to see past all their personality things that drive me nuts and all their political viewpoints and all of their stances on all of these things and help me to love them the way you love me. And maybe if you and I did both of these things, we could walk that hard and fine line in the middle. It says, it's not about me. And yet I'm loved anyway. God, help us to love those who need to be loved and to love them really well. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, you have called us to love others as ourselves. And yet sometimes we don't. We think highly of ourselves and we think poorly of others. God, we put up with people who annoy us and we forget just how much you love them. We put up with people who are different than us and we forget just how much you have given for them. And God, sometimes we fail to see your love, that you have called us children, that you have made us new. That in the midst of our brokenness, in spite of all of our flaws, even in all of our sin, you call us enough and you have made us yours. God, I pray today that we would look to that cross upon which you hung, that we would see you there upon that cross and say, God, help me to love myself and to love others in the same way. And would we be a church that looks for opportunities to prepare our hearts and our bodies and our wallets to prepare everything we have to love others well. And God, may we in this age that is post-Christian and doesn't see the church as being beneficial, God, may we love in such a way that we would look like that early church, no matter the cost no matter the pain, no matter the suffering, we would love because you've loved us. We pray all of this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're here and you're financially in a place where you're kind of a mess right now, I know we've shown this video before, but I think financial peace is an incredible opportunity to say, how do I take care of myself in such a way that I am freed to love other people better? To use more of what God has given me to love those who are hurting and also to care for myself. And so if you're in a place where you would like to learn how to manage money better, to love others more, I strongly encourage you to sign up for that class. It starts this week, so you haven't missed anything yet. There's childcare available if you want. There's a total 100% rebate at the end of the class, so it won't even cost you anything when you're done. Um, I strongly encourage that. As we continue our worship, I invite you to stand and sing, uh, to sit and sing. I invite you to listen to these words, but we're going to continue our worship by collecting an offering. 
And we give in this place financially. We give of our time. We give of our abilities. But part of why we give financially is to support things like just simply being able to be in this place. And then to go from this place into our communities to say, you are loved. And so if you came prepared to give today, you can give in these popcorn buckets with cash or check. You can put your envelopes or your uh, connect cards in there. If you'd rather give electronically, you can give at thepointknocks.com. But remember, we don't give to get his love, but because we already have it. Thank you. So a couple of questions that came in today. Uh, this one actually came in last night. I would love to meet someone that is church-going and a Christian. Are there any connect groups for singles or events where single people can mingle? Yeah. Uh, and no. Uh, <laughs> Are there any connect groups for singles? Well, every connect group's for singles. You could go to any one of them, except for the female one, like guys, you can't go to that one. Or the guys one, you, girls, you can't go to that one. But all the others, you can go to. Also, events where you can mingle. Um, Sunday morning, we have an event every single week. And you can mingle with whoever you'd like on Sunday morning. And we'd love to help you mingle with others here on Sunday morning. If you volunteer to serve, we'll definitely help you mingle with people who are single. Uh, mingle and single, that's kind of fun, all right? Um, <laughs> We don't have any specific singles ministry because what happens most of the time in singles ministry is it becomes more about the hookup and less about Jesus. Uh, we believe that Jesus wants you to find somebody who loves Jesus more than they're ever going to love you. And so we want to help you find people who love Jesus, not people who are single. All right. And, and I believe wholly if you throw yourself into joining a connect group or being here on Sunday morning or just being here all the time as often as possible, even without singles groups, you'll meet people who are single who can be a lot of fun to hang out with whether or not you ever get into any kind of romantic relationship. All right. I also am thankful that Emily, uh, she does something called Nudinox. Yeah, and Nudinox is a, a ministry that a friend of hers has started uh, a couple years ago, right? And they're really revamping this year. They're doing a bunch. Every month they have all kinds of activities and opportunities for people who are new to Knoxville to just get together with other people. And a spoiler alert, even if you're not new to Knoxville, you can still go and get together with other people and just meet people there. Um, it's really cool opportunity. So there's that. Um, all right. The event coming up, is it, for teen, is it appropriate for teens uh, to attend? If not, what's the possibility of having a speaker in the future for our teens to attend so they can learn about the dangers and warning signs of human trafficking? In two weeks on the 23rd, when Natalie Ivey and Katie Little from the Community Coalition are here, that'll be at 9 o'clock in the theater next door, and your teens can be there. Um, I've heard them speak multiple times. They're really good at saying this is what human trafficking is and how every one of us can play a part in it. Uh, Street Hope, uh, which is another organization in town that focuses on human trafficking, uh, they exclusively focus on children and minors, and they do a lot with like online safety and how can you as parents help keep your kids safe. Um, I would love to get them to come in the future and, and talk about how do we keep our kids safe online. That won't be this topic in two weeks, but uh, your kids can be there and learn from it as well. And if they say something that your teen shouldn't have heard, I apologize in advance. I'm not expecting it, but we'll work through that if they do. Um, how do we trust that we are loved so we can love others? Well, when you have been told that you're not enough and that you're not loved or that you're not lovable uh, by the world around you and even unfortunately by people really close to you, when this is the message that you've heard for a long time, uh, the place where you begin is by hearing a different word. 
hearing other people tell you and show you that you are loved. And so if you're here and you struggle to believe that you are loved, uh, I want to give you two things. First and foremost, read the New Testament. I promise you will see all throughout the New Testament, you are loved. And second, I want to encourage you to just find people here at the church that will love you. And if you don't know how to find people, I can find people for you. There's every single week somebody's like, I just want to like meet somebody. How do I do that? I want to make a friend. We can help you make friends with people who will relentlessly show you that you are loved and tell you that you are loved and speak the truth when all you hear is these lies. You are loved. We'll prove it to you. Next. Thank you for the music and the broken mic and the message. It was wonderful. I appreciate everyone's hard work to make this happen. Hey, you're welcome. And thank you for being here. Um, thanks for joining us. Finally, do Christians have a civil obligation to be politically involved? How should our faith inform our politics? <laughs> All right. On that note. Um, Yes, we have an obligation to be involved. And I think one of the big mistakes that uh, the culture has made is we've said religion and politics should be private. And a big mistake the church has made is said we should make our church our politics. And I think both of those things are not healthy. Okay? Um, so your faith should inform your politics. You as an American citizen should use every opportunity to participate in politics. That's a really good and healthy thing. In fact, coming up in October, we're going to do an entire sermon series about our role as citizens and how we balance both and, and we use our faith to help inform us without making political decisions because of our faith. And, and so we're going to talk about that because... I don't know if you know something big's happening in November. Um, if you don't know, just turn on the TV. Somebody will be bashing somebody else. That's probably what they're talking about, all right? Um, but we, we believe it's important. Uh, but you can also have differing political views and still be a Christian, okay? Jesus is not a Republican and he's not a Democrat. And if you think he's either, you're completely wrong, all right? That's all I'll say for today. And we'll save the rest for next time. Uh, if you have any other questions that didn't get addressed or things that come up through the week, you can text us. That number is always online. Uh, if we don't respond to it right away, we'll definitely see it and respond to it on Sunday next week. And if you're joining us on live stream and you want to have your question answered, um, feel free to, to like type that in on live stream each week uh, and just say, hey, I'd like to ask this question. We'll try to respond to that too. Uh, before you go, I want you to receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. And may you go with the confidence that you are loved. So love others. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.